Stop overpaying for a great shave. Visit harrys.com slash rebelforce for quality, guaranteed, German-engineered razor blades at factory direct prices. Get a free trial set when you sign up. A $13 value at harrys.com slash rebelforce. Somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you by Utini. Utini subscriptions deliver new Star Wars books plus more right to your doorstep every month. Join now and never miss a Star Wars book release with Utini. Save $5 when you subscribe and use the code RFR at checkout at utini.com slash RFR. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Well, we got a trailer and we've got toys. Big spread spanning across several media outlets showcasing the new Star Wars Han Solo film based toys. And within those within those toys, perhaps some secrets of the film. We'll see. We'll break some of that down. Coming up here on Rebel Force Radio. So glad to be with you. Glad you could be with us. February 16th, 2018. It is Valentine's Week. Find out what we week. all did on Valentine's Day. Well, week? Is, well, uh, you know, I mean, the Valentine's Day was this week. It's not a big thing in, in, in our house, really. It never has been. But I know that it's, uh, you know, for some people, it's a really big deal. No, it is a full day. week for me because it also happens to be the week of Wendy Snyder's birthday. Yes, so ha- I saw happy that. Happy birthday, Wendy. Yeah. Yes, on the twelfth. So uh, I always get this this one two punch on the the twelfth of Wendy's birthday and the fourteenth of Valentine's Day. It's really hard for me to keep my head above water, especially since I really spend most of my time during the year contemplating what to get Wendy for Christmas. So here we are, oh, just you know, yeah. mere six weeks post-Christmas, and I have to deal with the one-two punch of Wendy's birthday and Valentine's Day. Luckily, well, she's I, married to you, so she truly is the woman who has everything. So what do you get, such a woman? Well, that's right. I mean, you cannot find the right gift to give the woman who has everything. So typically, she gets nothing. Yeah. No, I try I try to do something good. Uh, and this year, I just I struck out in... Ended up having to return the gift. It sucks. Oh, really? I, you know what I went with? Yeah. I went with uh, with chocolate covered strawberries delivered right to the to the wife's work. Oh, good play, good play. Yeah. Because yeah. then you, you 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 show off to all her of her coworkers. Exactly. That's the whole thing. So I show up everybody. You know, I show up all the, the, the you know the the guys that didn't do anything for their wives, and uh, but but 
you know, flowers, I've never been, I've never understood it. And, and, and thankfully, I have a wife that's not, if flowers are your thing, and if you can keep them alive, you know, more power to you. But it's just never been a big thing. We have cats in our house. And, you know, most flowers and the leaves of the flowers are, you know, poisonous to cats. And so uh, we do those edible arrangements. You know, those, that's a big thing in our house. We look for well, any good. to send an edible arrangement. So you get, you know, chocolate covered strawberries, and she got to share them with her work friends, and then I got to eat some at the, you know later, later that night. But, nice score, yeah. nice score. Yeah, you know what I found works really good uh, is uh, the Mrs. Fields cookies, and I'm oh. not talking about the heart shaped cookies or anything. Just a box of Mrs. Field cookies, because it's not something we typically have around the house that often, and so I, I made a big impact with that. But um, you know, that has nothing to do with Star Wars. No, it doesn't. But, when but Valentine's yeah. Day, I do want to say something because oh. I saw a post on Facebook by a guy I know who's been listening to Rebel Force Radio for a long time because I recognize his name. It's a guy named Gar, G-A-R-R. Oh, my gosh. That does go right? back a long time. Yeah. So you recognize the name, right? I do. He put up the greatest picture on Facebook. I'm going to send it to you right now. All right. Um, but it was for it was for Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. And he's standing there and he's holding two action figures based on Kelly Marie Tran's character in The Last Jedi. Two Hasbro action figures uh-huh. that are her character. And, and he's holding it for the camera. And his wife is staring at him, giving him a real ugly look. And it says, I bought my wife roses for Valentine's Day. (laughs) And he's got a big you-know-what eating grin on his bearded Uh face. uh And she is giving him the most priceless, God, I hate you, look. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't uh, recommend that. That's that's probably not going to get you any favor. You know what? There are some. There are some uh, wives out there that that would like that. Yes, and uh, but I, I think Gar's lovely wife Sally, not so did much. not appreciate uh, the display of uh, love for uh, uh, with the roses. <laughs> I bought my well, you know, it, it's funny enough. You know, it was actually the action figures of Kelly Marie Tran's character that gave us one of the first looks of that character, and uh, we are getting treated to that again uh, with the uh, release of the. Han Solo merchandise. I shouldn't say release, but the you know the release of photos of Han Solo merchandise. We've got uh, this, this, some of the six inch figures, some of the three and three quarter inch figures, and some other merchandise that are giving us clues, particularly clues about the history of the Millennium Falcon and how that hunk of junk, the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy, got to look the way she does in the original trilogy. Well, and in, in the sequel trilogy as well. So that's coming up. Plus. Uh, we're looking forward to the return of Star Wars Rebels. That's coming up. And we do have some more audio sound bites from Ryan Johnson as he continues his post-Last Jedi tour, uh, plus uh, some uh, listener feedback as well. And um, so much more here on Rebel Force Radio. I didn't really give you an introduction. I mean, have we gotten to that point where I don't need to do that? Well, I don't think you even introduced yourself. So, Well, I never I introduced myself. We're kind of on even. I, I don't think I need an introduction. Right, I, wait a I minute. We've, we're we've ending gotten it? that far. No, we're not ending it. I'm just saying for this week. For this week. All right. For Valentine's Day. Because I struck out on Wendy's birthday, by the way. And I'm surprised you didn't ask me what I bought her that uh, I actually had to return. Well, I didn't want to get that you know too personal. 
So, I, you know. I don't know what. A few years ago for Christmas, I bought Wendy her first ever iPad. She loves it. She uh-huh. watches all of her TV on it. I she was a consultant on that purchase. I just Absolutely say. you were, because there's no one I know whose head is more up Apple's butt than yours. <laughs> okay. This is true, ladies right, and gentlemen. This that. is true. But uh, so I, I got her this iPad, and, and, and um, for Christmas, uh, these Apple EarPods, AirPods, I should call them. They're, they're these wireless Apple headphones. You've probably heard a lot about them. It's why they didn't put a headphone port into the iPhone 10 is because of these amazing wireless earbuds, Apple earbuds. I love them. Mm-hmm. So uh, Wendy's sister, actually, my, my sister-in-law, Betsy, gave me them for Christmas. And I've just been enamored with them. I mean, they are with me at all points in time because as a young radio guy i used to wear these big giant headphones with the cord and everything and i always used to dream about something i could just place right into my ear wireless that would just give me all the freedom in the world these things do that i love them so much so i said well gosh darn it i'm gonna share them with wendy um and also the other reason i thought i'd share the airpods with wendy is because the other day, I was in the backyard, and I was kind of, you know, getting some garbage ready to put out to the curb, and Wendy was standing on the porch barking other orders at me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but uh, she was uh, or communicating with me, I should say, and uh, I didn't hear her because I had the Apple earbuds in, and I was listening to... This great book, Jason, uh, a great audio book, The Secret History of Star Wars by Michael Kamenetsky and uh, narrated by Josh Robert Thompson. I've been addicted to this book, this audio book, ever since you brought it up. It's a book I read several years ago. But there is an audio book available at audible.com slash RFR, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But I've been hooked on it. I mean, mm. really, really just like mainlining the secret history of Star Wars because it's a different experience as an audio book mm-hmm. than it is as a reading oh, experience. Very it's, much It's a so. way different. And that, that's thanks to Josh Robert Thompson. But we'll get into that in just a minute. So I've been listening to this thing nonstop. I have the earbuds in. I don't hear her. And so I, I finally, she catches my attention. So I do the double tap on the ear pods, which is what you do, uh, to, to pause it, to, to silence it. And uh, she said something to me. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't hear you. I had the ear pods. And she goes, oh, those are great. And I go, oh, they come in handy. <laughs> I don't think she liked the sound of that. Uh-huh. And she said, "She said, oh, really? Well, why don't you get me some for my birthday, okay? And I go, okay. So I, I do- did the double tap again. And apparently when I did that, she said, just kidding. But sure enough, I ran out to the Apple store and bought those for her on her birthday. Oh, and I no. gave them to her. And she goes, she goes, I love you, but I know how expensive these things are. And I really just wanted to get my nails done for my birthday. A gift certificate from that place would have been good for twenty five bucks. Uh, you spent, uh, you know, almost two hundred on these AirPods. So, she goes, "I'm not going to use them." And I believe uh, her. Yeah. You know, I do believe her. Wendy's a radio professional, and she's used to having headphones on and whatnot. But I do know for a fact that she prefers the onboard speaker on her iPad when she's watching TV and stuff. 
She doesn't like something in her ear. Yeah. Now, I love it because I'm an audiophile, and I want to hear every little bit of sound that comes out of a production. That's why I cannot wait until The Last Jedi gets its home release next month because the whole ear pod experience is going to blow me away. I cannot wait for it. I love digging deep into the sound mix, but Wendy's not quite that way. She All just right. needs to hear what she needs to hear. And well, she I just find want. the irony of the fact that you it was the AirPod itself that stopped you from hearing her say, just kidding, yeah, which would have yeah. present, prevented you from making the mistake of buying her the AirPods. I mean, this is just... Well, uh, yeah, my it, head it, is it spinning is. at the <laughs> welcome just... to my world. This is my yeah. life. I go through yeah. this kind of stuff every day, at least once. And so uh, I felt bad. You know, I felt like I disappointed her on her birthday. And, you know, and she's like, don't worry about it. It's all good. It's all good. But uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, what? you know, maybe she should at least try them. Maybe you'll like them. But no, I returned them. And yeah. when I returned them, that's when I got the Mrs. Fields cookies. So uh, everyone's happy. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you the problem that I have with the AirPods is that I lost one of them. And I lost it on my last trip out to Chicago. Oh, so I remember I, that. Yeah, yeah well, if, so it, if it shows up, I'll give it back to you. Well, I'm not going to keep it from you. you. Yeah, if, if, if it does show up. No, I think it was on the airplane or maybe in the... I don't know. I it, that, that, that trip's a blur uh, for many reasons. Yeah. But... but uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good reasons, but um, yeah. So I, they they do come in hand. They're awesome. I mean, they're great to have it, it, at work, especially if you have, you know, one of those desk jockey type jobs where you want to just sort of uh, you know, zone out, tune out. They're great, but uh, they oh, are wireless. Little. Are you kidding me? I've been shoveling snow for the last two weeks. Yeah. To have a wireless experience while I shovel, I can't tell you how many times I would pull on the thing with it attached to my ear as I'm oh, moving yeah. around and stuff. It's just been great. So I, I can't recommend them enough. Uh, the uh, Apple AirPods and, you know, uh, that, that that's a very, uh, they're, they're not coming to us saying, please promote our stuff. We're, no, I'm they just don't saying. need that. No, yeah, they don't need They that. certainly don't need that. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Here's, here's a meeting at Apple, okay? They're sitting around a big table. If we could just have our one big break, maybe if... Star Wars podcast Rebel Force Radio will discuss <laughs> us a little. Maybe that's what we need. That would save it. As you were saying, one of the things that you can listen to on your AirPods or whatever uh, ear, uh, you know, headphones that you might have is the secret history of Star Wars. And we've been talking about that quite a bit recently. This is the great book by Michael Kaminsky and narrated by Josh Robert Thompson. And we were we just had this sort of serendipitous moment on the show uh, last week. Where I had sent you a YouTube clip of this George Lucas comedy video of George walking around what, you know, made to look like Skywalker Ranch, but is kind of amounts to a weird petting zoo. <laughs> and uh, it's this guy doing this just dead on, you know, uh, George Lucas, just the look and everything. It's just brilliant. And even the laugh, even uh, the, the, the laugh, laugh, everything about it is just so spot on. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. That is the guy that narrates the audiobook version of The Secret History of Star Wars. It was this whole thing. So uh, here's a we got a clip here of from The Secret History of Star Wars. This is Josh Robert Thompson. So if you haven't heard it, check this out. Lucas spoke about his burgeoning Star Wars in this rare 1974 interview. Larry Sturhan. 
Would you like to talk about your new film, George Lucas? Well, it's science fiction, Flash <laughs> Gordon genre. 2001 meets James Bond, outer space and spaceships flying in it. THX was a kind of process film, and graffiti and autobiography. Is the new film hooked to you personally? I'm a real fan of Flash Gordon, and this is a much more plotted, structured film than the other two. THX is a milieu film, and graffiti <laughs> is a character film, but the new one is plot action adventure. Oh, yeah. it's yes. so good. Yeah. And it's, you know what? George Lucas is not the only voice that Josh Robert Thompson does in this audiobook. He also does Harrison Ford, Martin Scorsese. His Martin Scorsese floored me. He does Coppola. Yeah. He does, yeah, I, like I mean, just Coppola any too. voice, any yeah. quote that is in <laughs> Michael Kaminsky's book is just so authentically recreated by the narrator, Josh Robert Thompson. And so I've been doing some research on him, Josh Robert Thompson, JRT. Um, and uh, he's he's a really uh, good actor and a great mimic. He does a killer Morgan Freeman. But his George Lucas is the thing that we're really uh, interested in here on RFR. And once Jason realized that, oh, my God, the same guy is doing the narration for the audiobook Secret History of Star Wars, that does this hilarious video, Walking with George Lucas. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it all happened at once. We were talking about both things at the same time before the show started a couple weeks ago. And all of a sudden, this light bulb went off over your head. Oh, my God. It's the same guy. <laughs> so weird how the force works, yeah. mysterious ways. But here's a, a, a little clip of walking with George Lucas. Just imagine all of those interviews and documentaries you've seen with George Lucas that are shot out on the majestic Skywalker Ranch. And George is sitting there and he's so chill. He's almost blase about <laughs> the impact Star Wars has had on on, on the world. And uh, and so here, here he is answering one of those, you know, typical interview questions. Are you worried that Disney, J.J. Abrams, will still capture the spirit of the original Star Wars? Am I worried? Listen, I don't give a shit. I mean, I got $4.5 billion. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's just so dead on. I think when he's it's, talking about the, what is it, the zebra, he's like, ah, too bad I'm going to eat it later. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens late, like right after yeah. in the video. They're looking at, you know, baby zebra. That's right. Here's a little ba here's a little baby zebra, kind of adorable. That is adorable. Yeah. I have to admit, I've never uh, seen a zebra this close before. Baby what zebra. a gorgeous, gorgeous creature! Yeah, it's a shame I'm going to eat it later. <laughs> so I'm combing through the Twitter, and I come across a post from Josh Robert Thompson, a tweet from JRT, and it says, "Hey." At Rebel Force Radio, thanks for the nice mention on today's show. Here's a message from George. So via Josh Robert Thompson, here's a little message from George Lucas for your pals here at RFR. Hey, guys. It's Uncle George. <laughs> Just sitting here counting my money. <laughs> anyway, just want to say thanks for the uh, the shout-out on your little, your little radio show. <laughs> and, uh... May the force be with you. <laughs> He's, he passes out. 
He's barely awake when he's actually leaving us the message, but by the end of it, he just passes out cold. Our little radio show. So um, check out Josh Robert Thompson on YouTube. Be sure to check out his video, Walking with George Lucas. If you want to get more of his George Lucas impersonation, go to audible.com slash RFR and download The Secret History of Star Wars, narrated by JRT himself. And you'll hear a lot of the George in there. I mean, it's been so... I've been just binge listening to this thing lately and i've already read the book the book's been out for several years i think you know, almost 10 years um and and the book is is tremendously thick mm-hmm. and so it took me a long time to make it make my way through it i can tell you this right now i'm going through the audiobook at a much quicker uh pace because it's just so darn entertaining so yeah. and that's because of josh robert thompson so uh, be sure to look for that at audible.com slash RFR. All right, speaking of Twitter, Josh Robert Thompson was the, wasn't the only one to send us a tweet. What What is this? We've got mm. a young lady. This actually, she looks, I'm looking at the, the, the picture here. She looks a little bit like my daughter. She looks about nine or ten years old um, in the back seat of the car. And what's going on here? This is a tweet to at Rebel Force Radio from loyal RFR listener Chris Nastro, at Chris Nastro. And this caught my attention. It said, my daughter's number one request when we get into the car. Play the audio, Jason. We're in the car, Daddy, put on Rebel Force Radio. My source for the force. <laughs> so my cute. source for the force. Yeah. My source for the force. That is really great. Chris, you're what? doing a fantastic job. You are a, a, a dad of the year, and uh, for sure uh, your daughter, whose name we don't know, is uh, Star Wars Kid of the Month here on RFR. That's for, when I put the podcast on, my daughter usually says, Daddy, why do you want to listen to yourself? <laughs> so. Say, you say, I'm not listening to me. I'm listening to Jimmy Mack. <laughs> That's what I do. I say, well, okay, you know, just, just, you know, checking in to see how the show sounds. I like to do that from time to time. But uh, anyway, all right. Well, that's awesome. So she's so fantastic. Yeah. So thank you, Chris. You are a, a great Star Wars dad. And um, I, I got to be honest with you. I saw this little video of Chris's daughter uh, right as I was about ready to edit the show from a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Mark Hamill's character from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. The character's name, which I'm not going to repeat right now. Let's knock her. Oh, there you go. You can't help yourself, can you? I, I mean, I'm putting it out there. I mean, it's not like that's, you know, I know, I know you're putting it out there. And you were putting it out there a few weeks ago, right as I was about ready to uh, prep the show for release. I saw Chris's tweet from his sweet, innocent, cute young daughter, and I thought to myself, oh, my God, I know I have to edit out the name of Mark Hamill's character from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back from RFR because this is our audience here. I can't have her hearing knocker. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, that's, uh, that's uh, kind of a very useful tweet, <laughs> I, I have to say, from uh, well, Chris. It, it, so thank you. Keeps us grounded and reminds us of... We need that. Yes. We need that. Lord knows we're over our skis most weeks here on RFR, so... For sure. Well, um, also last week, we had uh, FJ DeSanto on the program, and we were sort of uh, breaking down FJ's thoughts about 
the, 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 the new Han Solo movie, and in particular whether or not he would be profit or loser when it comes to uh, his prognostications about this particular entry in the Star Wars saga. And in the course of our conversation, the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars animated micro-series came up, and uh, FJ was, uh, was, was pondering this. Why is the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars not canon? Yeah, why is it not canon? Can you tell me, Jimmy <laughs> Mack, why is it not canon? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, it, that's a good question yeah. from FJ. And I'll be honest with you. I have not thought of Gendy Tartakovsky's Clone Wars micro-series for quite some time. And uh, just FJ merely asking that question last week, in which I responded, I, I thought that the Tartakovsky series was sort of a, a litmus test for what Lucas Animation could do in the future with a Clone Wars series, mm-hmm. like what we saw, you know, Dave Filoni. Helm, I believe George, George himself called it an experiment. At he one may point. have, you know, what, and and that's a quote that I haven't really been able to. Uh, to find and uh, leave it to Adam Bray, author Adam Bray at author Adam Bray on Twitter. Um, Adam is a old friend of ours here at Rebel Force Radio, and he is the author of several Star Wars books, including the recently released Star Wars Stormtroopers Beyond the Armor. And uh, Adam was listening to last week's show and he uh, tweeted Listening to RFR, F.J. DeSanto asks why the Tartakovsky Clone Wars isn't canon. Apart from some stories being overwritten by Filoni's Clone Wars, the series was pitched by Hasbro to sell toys with the benefit of marketing Episode 3. It's in my Stormtrooper book, says Adam. I almost feel like Adam is, is saying that. He's scolding us, like... What, you didn't read the whole book? <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, Adam's book, it's it's called yeah. Star Wars Stormtroopers Beyond the Armor. It was written by uh, Adam Bray and uh, writer Wyndham. And uh, so I felt like, you know, Adam's like, oh, you didn't read the whole book. But it's been sitting on my nightstand, and I've been flipping through it. It's such a good book that I don't want to race through it. I want to savor it along the way, which is what I've been doing. Well, I've been but- waiting for Josh Robert Thompson to do a audiobook version of it. <laughs> do the whole thing as George Lucas. But so I did look it up. I did look it up in Adam's book. Um, I actually asked Adam to come on the show this week and talk about himself. But he's like, hey, I'm too busy writing books to talk with you, yahoos. <laughs> so uh, he, Plus he's, he's like, just that we didn't read the whole book. <laughs> Which is not true. Adam's a sweet guy. Yeah, but he did point. Uh, he, he, he does point our direction uh, towards his... Uh, his stormtrooper books for some information. And I did find it on a, a page uh, here in chapter five, uh, page one Oh one Hasbro was instrumental in providing impetus to make the micro series happen. Says Daryl DePriest Hasbro's global brand marketing manager. We asked Lucasfilm whether there could be created some form of entertainment to engage audiences between movies. Remember, I'm breaking in here. This is not Daryl talking. This is me. Remember, it was a three-year gap between the films, which was the traditional Star Wars gap. So Hasbro was looking to fill that gap with some fresh 
merch for uh, kids and collectors alike. Daryl DePriest continues in this book. We asked Lucasfilm whether there could be created some form of entertainment to engage audiences between movies. Through Transformers, we had a good relationship with Cartoon Network. They worked with Gendy Tartakovsky on Samurai Jack, and it felt that his style, Gendy's style, could work well for some new Star Wars series. We brought Cartoon Network and Gendy together with Lucasfilm to present concepts. So Daryl DePriest himself says right here that it was all started by Hasbro, and they were looking for a fresh way to merchandise Star Wars between Episodes 2 and Episodes 3, between the years 2002 and 2005. So that's where it all comes from. I don't know if it's, for me to say, it's an incorrect statement to say it was a litmus test for the future of the Clone Wars, as we saw it on the George Lucas Dave Filoni Helm series. I don't think that's inaccurate to say, but it certainly was not the priority when launching the Clone Wars Gendy Tartakovsky micro-series on Cartoon Network. Yeah, no, it was definitely a marketing strategy. And I can understand that. I mean, it's in this day where we're getting a new Star Wars film every year, sometimes two times, uh, not necessarily within the same... Uh, calendar year, but uh, certainly within the same 12-month span, it's hard to imagine, you know, these three-year droughts that, that there would be. And, you know, for the for the merchandisers, you know, for the licensees, it was that was that was difficult. And so for them to kind of push this idea on, on Deluxeville seems very credible. And, and somebody like Gerald DePriest, I'm sure, you know, he had a front row seat to all of this. And, uh I could imagine that this tickled George. I mean, George has obviously had a great love affair with television, going back to his influences of you know watching shows like The Lone Ranger and and things like that on TV as a kid, right? And uh, animation for that matter. Oh, because for sure. when he initially tried to get into filmmaking, he wanted to get into Warner Brothers Animation Department, as we heard in. The Walter Murch story about George's beard from a few weeks ago that we played. There was a part of that interview that I didn't feature in our show, but he did explicitly state that George Lucas was interested in getting into the animation side of filmmaking. And when he won a stipend to... um, be a, a an intern or a, it was some sort of scholarship that placed him onto the Warner Brothers campus back in the late 60s. He wanted to go hit the animation department, but Warner Brothers closed that department. Wow. Right. And so the only thing that George could really latch on to was Finian's Rainbow, which was being shot by Francis Ford Coppola on the lot at that time. It was essentially the only film being shot at that time. And not only did George make his initial hookup with Francis Ford Coppola, which has serious implications on Star Wars being created in the first place, but it also had a lot to do with George Lucas's beard. And uh, he and... uh, (laughs) 
he and uh, Francis Ford Coppola bonded over the fact that they both had beards. However, Jason, yes, uh, in, in in listening to the audiobook version of uh, the Secret History of Star Wars this past week, I mean, really binging it like you wouldn't believe. I did get to a segment there in the book where the author reveals that through his research. Uh, as opposed to Walter Murch's memories, who was actually there. But uh, through his research, he discovered that George Lucas was inspired to grow the beard after meeting Coppola. Where Walter Murch uh-huh. claims that George and Francis bonded over the fact that they were filmmakers who both had beards. So uh, we do have some conflicting stories about the origins of George Lucas's beard. That's how serious we are about Star Wars, ladies and gentlemen. It's yeah. like not only can we tear apart the plot, character motivation, and creation of all these great films, we also have to tear apart the origin of the filmmaker's facial hair. That's where we take you on Rebel Force Radio. We leave no stone unturned. But, so. No hair left unturned. Oh, oh. Very nice. Whisker. Uh, so, uh, but George obviously had a deep background with animation and a strong interest in it. So he, he it grew came- up as part of that that TV generation. You know, the, the, again, the kids that were watching the westerns on TV. Plus, you had the uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoons coming out of Warner Brothers. You had the Disney cartoons. He was steeped in mm-hmm. all of that. Popeye, right? So, so when. It became obvious that Star Wars was something that could be expanded upon via the animation medium. Maybe it was Tartakovsky's micro series that got George thinking, oh, my God, why haven't I been doing this? Sure. Because that's, that's something I always wondered. Why wasn't there a Star Wars cartoon like years ago? Well, I mean, like I, back I in the probably, 80s, you know, George would have thought oh, that'd be neat. Yeah, we should try that. That'd be fun. You know, I mean, like, there, that seems to be as, like, you know, his, his, uh, his impetus for, uh, for trying anything. You know, there was never, it, it just it never seemed like there was much pressure, especially during that era. I think during the original trilogy, there was plenty. Uh, when we know that the making of the original film, there was lots. But, but you know, this, ah, it'll be fun. You know, I'll put it on TV, we'll see what happens. But yeah. it, it was, you know, he got something out of it. Hasbro got something out of it. Um, obviously, keeping the brand in the you know in the forefront of people's uh, minds, you know, top of mind. That's that's a big part of of marketing. And then George got to sort of dabble in this and see what a animated version of Star Wars would look like—a legitimate animated version. We're not talking about Ewoks and droids here. We're talking right. about these these core characters. And uh, of course, he then got introduced to all of these great uh, of voice actors like James Arnold Taylor and. Um, they, they, you know, and uh, 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 Tom Kane. Yep. That, that, no, you bring up a good point. I mean, yeah. these are actors who were involved in the Gandhi Tartakovsky sure. Clone Wars series years before the Clone Wars actually hit the small screen. Yeah. You know, James Arnold Taylor, Tom Kane, a couple of great examples right there. I mean, and and Adam mentioned this to me too. Uh, because we we had a little email exchange 
sort of a, what do you know, Adam, mm-hmm. kind of shakedown. No, I, I like I said, I wanted Adam to come on the show, but he's busy writing books. He has some uh, serious deadlines he has to meet, so he doesn't have time to fart around with you and me right now. Mm-hmm. But we'll get Adam back on the show soon enough. But as far as uh, the impact that the Tartakovsky series had on the future of Star Wars and George Lucas specifically, I think shouldn't be underestimated. While true, it was Hasbro that lit the candle to begin with. I think it also lit the light bulb over George's head when he saw what Gendy Tartakovsky was able to do. And just recently I, I rewatched those Clone Wars, uh, the Clone Wars micro series, you can catch it on YouTube. Uh, many different people have edited it all together into a slick movie format where you can watch it. So uh, I, I recommend uh, jumping on YouTube and checking it out again if you haven't seen it in a while because it's really entertaining. Have you shown Parker? The Clone no. Wars micro series. I, I think he would love it. Yeah, I think he would too. I haven't. I haven't shown it to them. I, I've watched it within. You know, uh, within the last couple of years on my own. And it's something that I go back to every once in a while because I just love, uh, I've really grown to appreciate and love stylized versions of the Star Wars characters. You know, some of the Funko stuff and all of that. I'm, I, I used to kind of, yeah, not be so hot on it, but mm. now, now I'm kind of digging it. And I think mm-hmm. it's because of the kids, obviously, uh, being big fans of that. So I like, I've always enjoyed those extreme interpretations i remember when the unleashed action figures came out and they were always these very extreme poses and stuff so i've enjoyed that and and the gendy series i mean that was huge when that happened i know they were it was frustrating because they were only like you know two three minute uh these micro episodes on on cartoon network but that was a that was a really big deal it was like finally we were getting what we believed at the time was just truly legit animated star wars it's like this is the star wars we've always wanted on tv yes yes and there was the hasbro action figure tie-ins there was the dark dark horse comic tie-ins that featured characters that were exclusive to the gindy series like dirge okay remember dirge what a weird villain he was but he had like those weird like worm body that worm body that would like Okay, his his physicality was uh, that of humanoid, but his innards were this sort of weird liquid muscle like that would twine itself yeah, together. Yeah, and, I, I thought and it was worms. So he, uh. he would, yeah, he, he would be able to regenerate at some at, at some point. He actually consumed Obi Wan Kenobi, and then Kenobi used the Force to to create a, a, a reaction in Dirge to make him explode. Yeah, <laughs> and he yeah, like just like, splattered all over the place, and it was like, like this gum. It, it, yeah, how weird, you know. It people want to talk weird. about people want to talk about space Leia, uh, you know, in the Last Jedi being <laughs> weird. Let, let's look through the history of Star Wars and some of the stuff that we had consumed. Oh, Star Wars has game. always been weird. I, you know, it was some of the stuff that you know people. Star Wars has always been weird, 
and it's always been uh, you know completely out of this world. I, yes, I, I don't understand some of this. I think the weirder the better. You know, in yeah. looks the, the space Leia thing. I'm not making excuses for it. I mean, any idiot can watch a movie and and say, well, that's kind of awkward. You know, and it's sure. a kind of an awkward moment. It really is. But uh, I'm just saying that we need to have some more room for the weirdness in yep. Star Wars within us. We shouldn't I mean, be stormtroopers just... dr- riding giant lizards is still a very weird thing that's weird let's let's not take that for granted and make it commonplace let's embrace the weirdness you know carrie fisher's hair in the original weird (laughs) but but we've embraced it so much as and, and we've taken it for granted let's Celebrate the weirdness of Star Wars. And Dirge is definitely one of those weird characters. And the Clone Wars micro-series is a lot of fun. Because it does kind of emulate the sort of Samurai Jack vibe of the day, which is Gendy Tartakovsky's series that he had in motion at that time. That and Powerpuff Girls. I didn't really watch much of the Powerpuff Girls, but I certainly watched Samurai Jack. And I kind of note a little consistency between the vibe between Samurai Jack and the Clone Wars micro-series that was on uh, Cartoon Network back in the uh, mid-2000s. So... I had been, uh, I had mentioned when FJ brought this up, I had mentioned at one point I brought this up to Dave Filoni. Okay. Mm. And as far as I'm concerned, this is, as far as I know, this is the only time anyone from Lucasfilm during the Clone Wars era, you know, the series, mm-hmm. ever actually made any sort of comments regarding the series that preceded it, the Gandhi Tartakovsky micro series. I don't think I've ever heard anyone from Lucasfilm speak on the record about that Gandhi Tartakovsky series, especially someone who was running the Clone Wars. So this is a a conversation we had with Dave Filoni back in uh, 2012 when I actually breached the topic of the Gandhi Tartakovsky Clone Wars series that preceded Dave Filoni's Clone Wars series as we know it. Dave, do you consider that micro-series to be non-canon or um, apocryphal? You're taking me there, huh? Yeah. Um, I I think it's an incredibly fun series. I do. I think that those guys um, did uh, an amazing job making a Star Wars TV show. I know exactly the challenges they were up against, first and foremost, in design to get it to look like the characters and feel like the characters, and I think they all did, you know, just a standout job. Um, as far as the story goes, it really doesn't, to be honest, impact what we do. It's not really a part of the the stories that we're telling, because in our world, Mace Windu can't take on a whole army of battle droids by himself and win, because he can't do that in the Geonosian arena. But I, I think what you know, Gendy's team did that was great was they kind of really satisfied that imagination that we had as as kids after Return of the Jedi to think, well, what were Jedi like? Could they do, you know, almost like Superman, superhero type things? And, you know, to that end, I think it's incredibly successful. It's beautifully designed. It's wonderful to look at. But we don't try to fit things in, you know, as far as part of our continuity or the continuity to the film, uh, you know, it, it being part of the canon that we're working with. Um, I have given it a nod every now and then. I actually made a nod to that Mace Windu episode 
um, in one of the Gean Ocean uh, arcs, I, I referenced it that Mace was actually on that planet. I think he's on Dantooine. I think that's right. Um, you know, so you give a nod to it here and there. I think that that story with Mace defeating that army, you know, probably still happens. It just doesn't happen exactly that same way. So what you have is a story where, you know, one person tells another person a story who tells another person's story, and they're all more like recollections of the Clone Wars seen through different filters. So when you finally hear the story, it's it's not that Mace was there with a whole army of guys and maybe a bunch of Jedi. It's that Mace Windu single-handedly did it. And that would be a pretty good plot, mainly because there was a kid that watched and saw the whole thing in that story. So if the kid, you know, maybe that's the way the kid saw it, and all he saw was the Jedi doing everything. And maybe in reality, you could do that same battle, in it, but it would be more visceral, more Private Ryan, more on bar and like we do things, and yet you're still... You know, so, so it, what I'm saying is that it, it can work if you want it to work. It's not something that we actively um, reference, though, as you know, when George is, is creating the stories for this show. So there that's you pretty go. interesting. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah you know, very much. He, he, he's he's it kind was, of it giving... was tall tales. It was, and, and I think at the time they even mentioned that there were some extreme things going on in the series, and that it was you know, perhaps a, you know, the, the whole from a sort certain point of view shtick that we hear a lot with star Wars. Um, but, but tall tales from a certain point of view, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's interesting that that was a very definitive moment there where Dave was saying, you know, we're not beholden to it. It was, um, as close to an official announcement saying that it's not Canon that we would ever get, Especially back in that era. Nowadays, it's, the lines have been drawn pretty uh, sharply. But uh, back then, there was still a, a big question mark about that kind of stuff. So um, this leads me to this interview that I dug up. Actually, I didn't dig it up. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Jimmy Kemp, who is a loyal RFR listener, sent me a link to this uh, article, which is something that, that kind of seems familiar to me. I think we reported about this back in the day. But uh, it's an interview with uh, Gandhi Tartakovsky when he was out on the circuit promoting his film Hotel Transylvania. And uh, the interview um, led in, by Mike Ryan for HuffPost uh, led into an interesting area where he actually started asking Gandhi about uh, the Star Wars that he worked on. And... Uh, they got into uh, Star Wars references. Maybe in Hotel Transylvania, there's some Star Wars references. So that opened the door. But uh, they asked him in this interview, speaking of your version of Clone Wars, does it bother you that there's another one and that the one you did seems to be no longer canon? And Gendy responds, yeah, I mean, you know, of course it bothers me, but, you know, it's George's characters. It's his world, and he has to do what he has to do. And the new ones are totally inspired by what we did. A lot of the same character designs and stuff. The interview asks, does that part bother you too? Gendy says, no, again, it's not my character, so he can do whatever he wants. And the story was also that I was going to do it. I was going to go to Lucas and be their John Lasseter type of person and do a feature and supervise the Star Wars animated television show, and things kind of fell apart, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I'm super proud of what we did, and I feel like we did justice to Star Wars and as a fan. 
So mm. Gendy is saying that he was presented when he originally created that micro series for Cartoon Network following the release of Attack of the Clones. This filled up the space between Episodes 2 and Episodes 3, if you remember back in the early oh, yeah. 2000s. Um, Gandhi was brought on board saying, you know what? Do this for Cartoon Network. Lucasfilm is looking to expand and do more animation, and you could be the guy who's in charge of it all. And uh, that's sort of how it was presented to Gandhi Tartakovsky. It's not as if it was an actual deal was done or anything like that, but that was the kind of the premise on which he came on board, according to this interview he did with HuffPost. Back in uh, 2012 is when he did this interview. So uh, this he did this interview when The Clone Wars was actually in production in a vibrant series on Cartoon Network, but uh, about 10 years, uh, maybe not that much, about seven years after he did... His uh, Clone Wars for Cartoon Network. I believe that his micro series ran f- 2003 to 2004. Maybe it was later 2002 when it first launched. I haven't looked up uh, those right, sort of well, statistics. Well, it went right up the, uh, the second season that were a little bit longer. I think they were five-minute episodes uh, that took you right up into episode three. Right. That was in 2005. And all released on a DVD. Yep. So you yep. can find these series on eBay or wherever you find used home video, physical copies. Um, but like I said, you can find uh, you can find some high quality versions on YouTube. So I suggest uh, any Star Wars fan who might not be familiar with the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars micro series, go check it out. It is so enjoyable. And like I said, there's many talents involved in that series that ended up being involved in the Clone Wars series that we know and love so well uh, that ran for six seasons on Cartoon Network. And uh, did, the, did that whole series run on Cartoon Network or did it jump to Disney XD at some point? No, I think it all, the whole thing ran on Cartoon Network. Clone right? Wars was yeah. Clone Wars was all on uh, Cartoon Network. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and that was a Warner Brothers produced show too, which is uh, something else that complicates things. Yeah, but yeah. Um, there was that weird time where it showed up on TNT, like in prime time. If you remember that, then, yeah. Then they, then it kind of went into syndication there for a while, sort of a half half hearted syndication uh, effort. Yeah. Aired in uh, Chicago on WGN at like four in the morning on Sundays, you know, <laughs> half-hearted <laughs> to yeah. say the least, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. But it's interesting to dig into the career of Gendy Tartakovsky and his connection to Star Wars. Of course, Gendy is a, a super uh, successful animation uh, creator, uh, filmmaker. Dexter's Laboratory, uh, Johnny yes, Bravo. Dexter. Uh, yeah, I love Johnny Dexter's Bravo. Laboratory, Johnny Bravo. And, then, and, and of course, Samurai I mentioned Jack. Powerpuff Girls and, and Powerpuff Samurai Jack. Girls, right, right. Yeah. I, gosh, when, when Dexter's originally debuted, that, that show was something groundbreaking, it seemed like. It was just so off the wall. I, I think a lot of cartoons have come to emulate that sort of style over the past decade plus. But I remember when Dexter's originally dropped, it, people were... Talking about that show, yeah, it, like, was, it was it was kind of groundbreaking. That's true, and it, it it started out. Dexter and Johnny Bravo started out as these little uh, cartoon shorts that would air on 
a Cartoon Network in between episodes of you know classic stuff. This was when they were getting into original programming. You know, at one point, Cartoon Network was just you know a cable channel that played a lot of the classic Warner Brothers uh, animation shows. Uh, even getting into some of the things like you know Tiny Toons and Batman animated series and uh, uh, Animaniacs, and then they started making you know more full length animated series. And I believe Dexter's Lab was one of the one of the first, and then Johnny Bravo, and and then uh, um, actually Seth MacFarlane was a writer on Johnny Bravo as well hmm. as uh, I think did, wrote some Dexter's Lab episodes. And maybe even worked on Samurai Jack. So he got his start in that whole era of uh, Warner Brothers animation through Cartoon Network. So well, that's interesting. It yeah. seems like Seth has only really been associated on the animation front with Family Guy for all these years. And, you know, all those years that it would be on the air and then off the air and then back yeah. on the air. Bang. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I guess he a, had to do something to fill the, t- the downtime. Well, that was it, no, that's where he started. He started on wow. the shows. That was before Family Guy. Family Guy was sort of his, you know, his coming out with his own project. And, uh, uh, you know, after writing Shotgun on a lot of stuff with, uh, with Gendy. So very cool stuff. Definitely recommend. You, you really haven't experienced that whole uh, era you know, in the late prequel era leading into uh, episode three, unless you've checked out that Kenny Tartakovsky series. And like I said, I really, really enjoy the the take on the characters. Uh, I don't know that I would go so far as to, you know, Gendy's claim that you know, they used a lot of the same uh, visuals and character designs. I, I find them to be quite different, actually. I, I don't. I don't see a lot of continuity between the character designs per se. But well, maybe know. he's speaking about specific characters like Asajj Ventress, who got her debut ah, on a good Gendy's point. series. I, I think that point. that That's might right. be more what he's talking about. Yeah. And of course, you know, I mean, you don't see. I take that back. You do see Obi Wan Kenobi wearing some armor, some stormtrooper armor in the you first sure seasons yeah. of Filoni's Clone Wars. So right. that's obviously a crossover too, as far as character design goes, because yeah. they're wearing that armor. That's the only time you see that, and the first time you ever saw a Jedi wearing that sort of armor was in the Gendi series. Yeah, they set the template for you know what that what that looked like between uh, the Jedi and the the clone troopers. At the time, so so yeah. so fun to flashback. I uh, I can't believe how much I enjoyed watching the Tartakovsky Clone Wars this week. I can't believe how much fun I'm having digging deep into the history of Star Wars with uh, the secret history of Star Wars. And see these sort of things, then it has this domino effect on my my day to day fandom where. One thing leads to another. So I go from the secret history of Star Wars, and then I start looking at the Dark Horse comics adaptation of George Lucas's second draft for Star Wars. Remember when that came out a few years ago? Oh, the right. Star Wars, right? The Star Wars. And it was kind of this, uh, we, we, we wondered at the time, is this, is this George kind of acting out? You know, uh, it's, it's the oh, last yeah, bit of Star right, Wars did. that he controls. Yeah. So, you know, is the, what's the story behind that? It's, it, could we see a film being made <laughs> at some point of George's wow. second treatment? Uh, probably not. Probably not. I, I think there would probably be some 
issues there. But for whatever reason, you know, Dark Horse had the license for Star Wars at that time. It hadn't switched to Marvel, if I remember right, right? The, 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 the proper right. license hadn't switched over. It was in the so, waning days of yeah. Dark Horse Comics' ownership of the Star Wars license. Yeah, they knew it was going back to Marvel. Everyone knew during the, you know, after the Disney acquisition that that's, that's what was going to happen. Why would they pay another publisher to, to do that? And so this sends me down the rabbit hole where now I'm looking at the original scripts, the rough drafts. If anyone's interested in jumping and taking a deep dive into the history of Star Wars, I'd like to recommend a website, StarWars.com. And I say Star Wars because it's S-T-A-R-W-A-R-Z, StarWars.com. Dot com. It's the Starkiller Jedi Bendu script site. And uh, these guys have obtained all of the uh, Star Wars scripts, um, the third draft, the rough draft, the revised first draft, the public version of the fourth dra- draft, Adventures of Scar- Starkiller second draft, story synopsis from George Lucas, revised fourth draft. I mean, every possible draft of Star Ooh. They even have some prequel stuff here now, too. I, maybe I haven't been looking for a few years. Some early drafts of The Empire Strikes Back. Um, I believe I actually obtained uh, a copy of uh, The Empire Strikes Back script that was written by Lee Brackett. Yes, I just found it. It's here. It's all on this website, Star Wars. Dot com. Uh, it was a few years ago I really dug deep into all of these script drafts that have leaked. I, I think most of these have leaked. I don't think any of them have actually been legitimately released. But the lockdown on these early scripts and drafts from George Lucas wasn't as uh, serious of a thing uh, back in the 70s and 80s. So a lot of this stuff leaked out publicly and... People kept copies of his scripts on their shelves or in their file cabinets, wherever, you know, people who had access to that stuff. And you know, because, of course, when George wanted to shop this stuff around, he he made his scripts readily available, just like any young filmmaker. There was no secrecy. There was no J.J. Abrams mystery box and none of that crap. George was uh, trying to get his Drafts out to anyone and everyone, and then other drafts, of course, leaked and uh, were uh, released uh, beyond George's control. But for the most part, in the early days, uh, there was no lockdown. He wanted every eye in Hollywood looking at these pages. So uh, they were uh, very much out there. And uh, the guys over at StarWars.com, they uh, have compiled... All of these release scripts, and uh, you can find it all in one great place. So uh, that'll keep you busy for a while, I think, it's, at least until Solo comes out. Uh, so go check those out. I'm, I'm getting ready. I can feel it. I'm going to be taking the deep dive again. It's because of this audiobook, Jason, and you're the one who put me down the path again. I mean, thank you very much for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I hadn't read it, and then when I saw that it was, uh, I'd always wanted to, and there was a time where it was just, and it wasn't even published. It was available as a PDF off the website, and then yeah. uh, it did get published. And you know, now as an audio book, it's uh, it's really uh, there's no excuse if you. Want to I, I do have a physical copy of the book, 
and it's uh, a mere 600 pages long. Right. Um, yeah, and it looks like, uh, you know what, I don't know if I actually ever finished reading this thing, because I'm only, I have my bookmark at the halfway point on, on page 365. So, uh, mm. Mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's a great book. I'm loving the deep dive into the history of Star Wars, as always. Rebel Force Radio. Star Wars! Nothing but Star Wars! Your source for the Force. I want to talk to you about Harry's. Harry's is a great sponsor of us here at Rebel Force Radio. They are all about a great shave at a fair price, which is why over 3 million guys have switched to Harry's. I love Harry's so much. I used a Harry's razor just this morning. And uh, it was one of those situations where I was like, oh, man, I've used it so many times. Will it still give me the nice, smooth shave that I love so much from Harry's.com slash Rebel Force? And I use it, and it still was able to give me... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm embarrassing myself, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm talking in the microphone right now as I am rubbing my face. That seemed, that's embarrassing. Is that what but, that noise was? Yeah, you hear that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so good. But... I, I got to be honest with you. It is the best shave I ever had is with Harry's. And I'm someone who doesn't really like to shave. I'll let my beard grow in for a week or two before I just say, okay, enough is enough. Let's go back to that nice, smooth look. And Harry's never lets me down. It doesn't cut up my neck. It doesn't give me all those those awful bumps on, you know how you get those on your neck? Uh, when when you're oh, yeah. shaving, yeah, you're yeah. getting a nice razor, you, you razor bumps. Yep, right. Mm-hmm. You think you're getting a nice, tight, clean shave, and then you look in the mirror and you're like, "What happened to my neck?" I have never had that happen with Harry's, and I'm someone who is kind of susceptible to that sort of thing. I, I'm a fair-skinned guy, so and you uh, got the curly ha- hair. That's all. That'll get you every time. Maybe that's what it is that after is all these years. Thank you, but but Harry's makes shaving, which is a terrible hassle for me. Honestly, a very refreshing experience. And as Jimmy mentioned, harrys.com slash rebelforce. That is your source for a free trial offer from Harry's today. You get a $13 value for free when you sign up. You just got to cover the shipping. And what are you going to get? You're going to get a weighted ergonomic razor handle. You're going to get five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. You're going to get some rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover as well so you can get all of that for free just pay the shipping just go to harrys.com slash rebel force right now that's harrys.com slash rebel force uh so this is new to me i didn't realize because i i'm not part of the whole uh amazon echo uh, hey alexa thing um but rebel force radio is now available you can call us up via alexa on the uh, you know the various um, Alexa plugged in devices around your house, whether it be a, a phone or a you know a wireless speaker or whatever, you can just say, "Hey Alexa, play Rebel Force Radio." It's pretty yeah. cool. I think pretty much this technology will find its way into our light bulbs, where we'll just be yelling stuff at lamps. Well, no, it and already then, has. I turn on my yeah. light bulbs now with my phone, so it's. Oh dear God! Yeah. So. Uh, but I did. I have been working. I have been working on this uh, behind the scenes for a little while to make RFR available via the Amazon Echo, and uh, I didn't even realize that I had 
<laughs> checked off all the uh, marks on the on the list, but uh, I got an email from loyal RFR. Uh, member of our Patreon community, Jonathan Bell, who says, Hey guys, Alexa plays RFR. The Amazon Echo isn't perfect, but it's getting better. I certainly recommend it. At bedtime, I always ask her to play Yoda's theme, as it's mm. very relaxing. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is ask uh, Alexa to play RFR when you're getting ready to crash, because you're going to stay up all night yelling and screaming back at your uh, Amazon Echo. But uh, Jonathan's great, because he actually captured a moment here where he was actually asking his Amazon Echo via Alexa to play the latest episode of RFR. So check this out. Alexa, ask Stitcher to play Rebel Force Radio. Playing Rebel Force Radio. Hey, listen to that. Alexa, start over. Rewound. <laughs> wow. Get full access to RF. Alexa, pause. Wow. By the How way, cool. if you are listening to this <laughs> uh, and you are within range of one of your Alexa powered devices, we apologize because it. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen. That does happen with some of these things. So. But so that's good to know. Um, we want RFR everywhere, even in your light bulbs. But uh, right now it's coming out of the Amazon Echo. So if you are uh, someone who uses the Echo, tell Alexa to play RFR. And now, news headlines. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, as we talked about earlier... Han Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, I, I, yeah, it's so easy to say. I, not Han Solo. It's just Solo. Solo. Solo, a Star Wars story. Action figures have been released. Not just action figures, but uh, a, a play set, some Lego sets. Uh, there was, uh, I don't know, three or four different outlets that seemed to have little pieces of this larger exclusive from Hasbro as these uh, toys are now available for us to look at at least photos of the toys and the first thing that sticks out at me is this Lando action figure I, I think that this Lando figure looking at the uh, this would be the six inch line of black series figures um, aside from the whole Pittsburgh Steelers vibe I'm getting with the black <laughs> and the yellow uh, or I don't know maybe a killer bee um, and this is a an absolute beautifully sculpted action figure in the likeness of uh, of uh, Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. And check out that! I love that scarf. Looks like there's piano keys or something on it. It's like a black and white <laughs> scarf. Uh, but you notice that Lando has got that 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 Star Wars style shirt. Looks like Han's wearing one too. This is what you kind of see Luke wearing in. Uh, Return of the Jedi. You also see it show up on Harrison Ford in Return of the Jedi as well with the little flap, you know, the little flaps yeah, that go over. The flap. Yeah, 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 you know what I mean by the flap. Um, Love the flap. Yeah, so we, we've got our first look at these figures. So you've got uh, Lando, as I said, and he's wearing that outfit that you do see him wearing at, towards the end of the trailer uh, on the Falcon with the, uh, the yellow shirt and the black cape. It's Lando, you gotta have a cape. Uh, Han, Alden Ehrenreich's Han is depicted wearing 
sort of a, a Han Solo style jacket, a little bit different colors, kind of a brown and black uh, combination. But uh, the blue pants, I believe he's got the Corellian blood stripe going down the side and, of course, his trusty sidearm. And, and here we've got Kira, right? So we've got Kira. And one of the things, Jim, that stuck out at me and I think you agreed was she seems very real world. She seems very contemporary. This is like a girl that you, you know, you could walk down the street and meet. Right. And Outside of, your, uh, there is, going. there's one lone appearance of her in the trailer that does not seem so girl next door. She does emerge from what looks like the Falcon and she has L3 behind her. She's wearing a cape and almost an imperial sort of look to her, a a little more colorful, but still kind of an imperial looking tunic. And uh, there she looks like she may be in a disguise, you know, she's, she's Mm. ready to infiltrate something. They're ready to pull off some sort of scam. And that's why she sort of has that look with the cape. But uh, all the other appearances we've seen of Kira thus far do look like what I said previously. She, she lacks the exotic quality. I love the way Amelia Clark looks. I I think she's fantastic. Um, Don't get me wrong, but there's just something about her overall appearance that doesn't just like jump out at you saying Star Wars. It it, it almost looks like she can be anywhere doing anything uh, contemporary, uh, you know, something uh, uh, not so much from a galaxy so far, far away. Yeah, it's almost like she's wearing kind of a a jean jacket with a little uh, fur trim going on. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But she's the one that kind of strikes me perhaps as, uh, you know, from a design perspective, maybe a little on the weak side. But what do you think of the uh, the new Stormtrooper, this Imperial Range Trooper? Well, um, I'm looking at the Trooper, and there are a few elements I see from the Rogue One Shore Trooper. Um, some elements I see from the Empire Strikes Back Snow Trooper. But what everyone's talking about are the boots that this uh, particular trooper's wearing. Um, Paul Bateman described it to us as some sort of exoskeleton. I think that the boots do have uh, a a function. Um, I thought, just by eyeballing them, I thought maybe that they converted into skis of some sort to ski down... Um, you know, uh, snow-covered incline. Uh, somebody else mentioned they could be magnetized for that sequence mm. where the uh, the hover train is uh, is cruising along, and we we saw Woody Harrelson and a trooper in action on top of the train. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure if that's a trooper getting into it on top of the train. I have not watched the trailer, not once since we reviewed it a couple weeks ago. I want to make that point clear. Mm. I'm not I'm not staring at that trailer nonstop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I saw it, I soaked it in, I liked it, but I'm not going to obsess over it. I yeah. just want to make that point clear. That was a couple weeks ago. I obsessed over it. Now I'm done. I'm 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 priming myself for the film. And I'm trying to do this in such a way where I don't overexpose myself to the actual visual imagery that's been released. But uh, looking at this trooper, 
that's uh, sort of the vibe I get from him. It looks like a trooper that would handle itself in the snowy environment that mm-hmm. we see in the film that most likely is the planet Corellia. Right. And, you know, this is not new for us. I mean, every Star Wars film, uh, going to the original, has given us a different type of trooper. You know, the original film had regular stormtroopers plus the sand troopers. And Empire Strikes Back, we got the Hoth trooper, the snow trooper. And then in Return of the Jedi, we got the, uh, the Imperial Scout trooper. Yeah. So this is, this is nothing new. Uh, Rogue One introduced several new troopers. Obviously, the prequels introduced uh, troopers, period. And uh, so it just keeps growing and growing and growing. There's been some uh, criticism of this. I, I don't see anything wrong with it at all. I think it's actually kind of a, an interesting, uh, it's just an I- interesting take. Um, now, the question is, well, why aren't there just stormtroopers, 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 classic stormtroopers? I'm going to suggest that, you know, perhaps, you know, for whatever reason, these troopers are the ones that are best equipped for whatever terrain or system or planet that they're on. Yeah, we were presented with uh, alternate troopers prior to Rogue One. But I'll tell you what, it sure was a thrill sitting in that movie theater seeing original trilogy stormtroopers on screen for the first time since 1983. And I believe that with this solo film, We'll see those traditional troopers again. Um, I don't know if we actually have in any of the material that's been released thus far, but uh, I'm sure we'll see classic stormtroopers dominating this solo film. So, yeah, And we I did with that. Rogue One, like I said. It was just great seeing the classic stormtroopers running through the hallways of the Imperial Outpost on Scarif. In Rogue One, I really love that stuff. I mean, I don't think I even talked about it that much on the show, but uh, think about it. Rogue One was the first time we were seeing those classic stormtroopers on screen since 1983. Yeah. And uh, that that hasn't, uh, that's nothing I want to take for granted. So as, no. as great as it is to see new trooper designs, and it's something I expect from each Star Wars film, that moves forward in the timeline from the original trilogy. Uh, even the prequels. I mean, we had the great clone trooper designs. Ad nauseum. My God, there were so many clone trooper designs. So, obviously, there's great marketing potential with the stormtroopers. There's great merchandise potential with the stormtroopers. So, I think it's it's fantastic that we still are seeing new designs on that singular concept. There's no doubt. And... Uh, for those of you that were concerned or were wondering, the Force Link uh, gimmick, let's say, with the Hasbro action figures, that is going to continue. Oh, thank Force God. Link, yeah, Force Link 2.0. No, but uh, seriously, I think it was our, our buddy Kramer who uh, who admitted to us, he's like, I'm, I wasn't that excited for the talking action figures, right. but once I got a few, I, then I wanted all of my action figures to talk. Yes, yeah, that 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 is that that was Kramer. He was annoyed that he couldn't because you strap this thing to your wrist and you're you know it just creates a whole new level of fun of picking up your your action figures and looking at them and checking them out. The fact if you have this thing strapped on your wrist and they start you know talking to you, it's a lot of fun. So there is going to if you have if you didn't get in on the Force Link uh, in the with the first round, they've got two point oh, 
And I'm trying to remember exactly what the 2.0 version of Force Link adds. I know that there's obviously sounds and expressions uh, from the solo film. Um, but I think that this new version will actually allow you to perhaps download additional sounds at some point. I I, I could be wrong about that, but at one point I thought that that was uh, the case. So they're they're, they're trying to improve uh, the technology, which, you know, this builds on the old days of the ComTech chip reader and things like that. And, and you know, this is an actual pretty impressive uh, little recording of various lines from the films, which I'm sure most of you listening to this have, have played around with one before. But good to know that the starter set is going to come with a Han Solo action figure. Uh, I, I predict, Jim, that, that you know this, this movie is going to give us several Han Solo action figures in pretty yeah. short order. I think Han's going to be changing the clothes. He's going to have different looks throughout the film. If FJ's prediction pans out, you're going to have you know perhaps even... Kind of a, a a younger Han and you know a, a, an older Han, and so I just it's interesting to me that right out of the gate we're seeing this Han packaged with the in the Force Link uh, wrist gauntlet mm-hmm. for thirty bucks. You'd think older that that Han. Be, uh, well, I don't know. This is the Han that we see with the with the brown jacket with the black uh, patches on the shoulders. Uh, I I don't know. I, I'm guessing that this is probably older Han because yes. at this point, as a matter of fact, I actually have from Hasbro preview versions of these action figures and the Force Link technology that makes them talk. Here is young Han, Force Link. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Ooh, that sounds pretty good. Now here's older Han, Force Link. Ooh, that sounds pretty good. Very authentic. Yeah. Good job, Hasbro. Yeah, very nice. Here, let's turn that. Yeah, just turn that off. Turn it off. Yeah. All right. So there you go. So uh, you're gonna get a fuzzball. So oh, you didn't turn it off. Turn it oh, off. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Fuzzball. Okay. Good. All right. There it is. All hey, right. My so- question is though, um, mm-hmm. silly, stupid mm-hmm. stuff aside, mm-hmm. which I'm only going to do for this portion of the show, mm-hmm. but. Is the Force Link technology in the 2.0 starter set compatible with the Force Link technology from The Last Jedi release? Are they backward compatible? That's a great question because that was always a problem with, you know, video game systems. You'd get the latest and then your previous games wouldn't play. Um, I don't know. I, I, I hope that that's not the case. No, um, considering we only purchased Force Link 1.0. A mere like three months ago, it's still on. It's still out on the pegs right now. So I listen. I'm just going to take an educated guess. I think yes, it will be compatible. I hope so. I hope so. Um, and when the, you know when they came out, I thought to myself, "Wow, this is you know really kind of uh, crazy in this day and age that you can't download additional." You know, I understand that when they put these toys out on the shelves, uh, a lot of times it's uh, it's weeks in the case of Solo. In the case of Last Jedi, it's months before the film premieres. You don't want to spoil scenes and moments by um, you know having dialogue that's crucial or critical to big moments 
And I think they did a pretty good job of that with uh, with the Last Jedi figures. Um, but what would be nice is if you could, after the movie comes out, they would make these available to where you can hook them up online and maybe download additional uh, sound clips, which would be kind of fun. Uh, but so, do you think that we're we're there with the uh, Force Link 2.0? I mean, or are we going to have to wait around for it? Well, I, I, I like to think that we're going to be there. Um, otherwise, why would they have... Uh, what else could they add to this to um, you know, justify a complete reworking or retooling or re-release of the technology in such short order? You know, right. Just, yeah, just a, came out. It has to earn the 2.0. That's right. You I mean, can't just say it's 2.0. You can't give us the same... Stuff and say it's a whole point oh above. <laughs> can't do that. Can't do that. You can't do that. But you know what we are going to get? We're going to get. And I, if you're keeping score at home, I don't know how many different incarnations we've had of the Millennium Falcon as a uh, a toy that's in scale of the three and three quarter inch figures. I, I guess we could go back. We certainly got the vintage Millennium Falcon that came out originally. Oh, and they use the same mold when they brought Star Wars figures back in the nineties. That's that's correct. So they they re released it uh, somewhere like I think ninety six, ninety seven, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. right about the time of the uh, the special edition uh, releases. And uh, I think they may have brought it out one more time after that. Mm-hmm. And then they had the big Millennium Falcon. Remember the BMF? They called it. Right, the BMF. The BMF. So this was to create a slightly more in-scale version of the Falcon relative to the action figures. It had the sick bay. It yep. had um, uh, some, some more storage options uh, for the figures. And it was uh, a pretty mammoth uh, playset. It was yeah. definitely playset slash vehicle. Um, but pretty expensive, too, if I remember. I think if you were a real bargain shopper you might have found it on clearance at one point but um that's one thing i missed i I think it was retailing for about 200 bucks yeah that's right did you ever pick that up i didn't i came close to picking up a second hand version you know Mm -hmm. used previously owned a a pre-owned vehicle um, I took it out for a test drive, but I didn't actually purchase it. I, I actually was a little too late to the party. It went for 75 bucks, and mm-hmm. I really wanted it, but someone snagged it before I did. Um, that came out about 10 years ago, I want to say, because okay. I remember me and Dan Curdo hanging out at Star Wars Celebration Japan, and Curdo uh, practically making love to it <laughs> yeah, upon yeah. <laughs> seeing it for the first time on the convention floor. I had to pull Curdo off. I mean, we had to use taser on him and everything. But uh, <laughs> I know he was really excited about that, and a lot of collectors were. I mean, the the, the, the Millennium Falcon, you know, the classic Millennium Falcon playset uh, vehicle was uh, it was a huge deal. I mean, so many of us spent so much of our childhoods. In you know, moving our our figures around in those uh, those little compartments and in the cockpit, so to get one that was a little bit more in line or you know scale wise, give us a little more options, play yeah. options. That was that was a big deal. So that came out, and I believe they repackaged it once, maybe two more times after that, and uh, then we saw a retooled version for 
The Force Awakens. I think that with was, Nerf capabilities. Yeah, right. With with Nerf lasers, but it was uh, obviously the deflector shield was. You know, the, what went to the what move milker put a Nerf gun <laughs> in the Millennium Falcon? Was it Duquesne? <laughs> that that dipwad. Uh, no, uh, uh, freak. So it was it one of those little freaks, freaks like the Irving boys <laughs> with their Nerf guns? Yeah. So, um, but you know the the interesting thing, and his name is escaping me. Um, I want to. I, I got to look it up. Uh, the the gentleman who started back with uh, with Kenner uh, back in the seventies. Oh, um, Mark has, Bordeaux. Mark Bordeaux. Yes, who or Bordeaux? Mark Bordeaux, I think his name is. I I actually met him once out in Dallas about a decade ago, and uh, he is the guy who joined uh, Kenner as an intern, I believe, and he was part of the original crew that designed the Millennium Falcon toy from the seventies. Yeah, Mark Boudreaux. Right. Yeah, Mark Boudreaux, and then he actually designed the BMF. Yeah. In the 2000s. Well, he's, 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 and he's still with Hasbro to this day. And I guarantee you this new Millennium Falcon that's coming out in support of Solo was sculpted by Mark Boudreau. He sculpted every single Millennium wow. Falcon uh, toy for the three and three, uh, three and three quarter inch line of action figures going back to the, the, the 70s. So every one he has done. That's and amazing. They do feature him in that brilliant Netflix series, uh, The Toys That Made Us. Yes. Uh, they show yes. Mark and uh, talk about his accomplishments. So what do we learn, Jim? You know, so far from these toys, there's not a whole lot to learn from, uh, you know, Han and uh, Kira and Lando. I mean, obviously, the the range trooper, that's a whole different uh, style of trooper uh, wearing some fur. So hopefully he doesn't get some uh, blood splattered on him by some protesters. Um, but uh, aside from that, probably the biggest thing to learn is that the Millennium Falcon looked very, very different prior to the events of the original trilogy, including yes. having that th- those, those front-facing mandibles filled in in the center. Right, right. And there's a lot of speculation about what's going on there, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Something that the toy description for this uh, new Millennium Falcon, it's called specifically the Kessel Run Millennium Falcon Vehicle. That's how they're marketing it, with the retail price of 100 bucks. And what's interesting in the description for this ship is uh, it, it harkens back to our, our questions about what the hell did Han and Chewie do to the Falcon to trash it so much <laughs> once they obtained it from Lando? Because we assume that the Falcon that we see in the Han Solo movie is uh, the one that... Lando Calrissian owned. So when he says, what'd you do to my ship in Empire Strikes Back? I mean, there's obvious changes to the Falcon that can be seen from the naked eye as it appears on the landing platform. So Lando knew something was up the second he looked at the Falcon. And in the description, it talks about some of the play features it has. It says... uh, Press the button to pretend that the iconic starship kicks in to hyperdrive with lights and sounds. Press the button a second time for accelerated lights and sounds, as well as activate the rumble pack vibrations. So that's kind of cool. So, like, you'll actually 
as kids pick up the ship to pretend it's flying through hyperspace. You can hit the button and it'll actually be shaking in your hand as you hold it. Now, here's here's the, the, the description, the part of the description that really reveals something to me about the Millennium Falcon as we know and love it. You know, how did it go through all these changes? It says, push the button a third time to pretend that your ship picks up even more speed and watch the panels pop off before rumbling to the finish line. Wow. So something's up with this ship, okay? Uh-huh. Um, obviously, I think they stripped down the inside of it to give it faster speed for the Kessel Run, okay? Mm. This is my guess. Like lighten the Kessel the load, Run, huh? lighten the load. Like the Kessel Run is an actual race of some sort, okay? Um, so they're out there making the castle run, and they have to do it as fast as humanly possible. And so they strip the ship out from the inside, and they remove all the interior panels to make it more lightweight. And then as they're making the castle run, they realize they're not at the speed they need to be at. So somehow Han is able to eject the panels off the side of the ship to make it pick up some speed to eventually make that castle run in less than 12 parsecs. That's my guess, that there's actually something that Han can do as he's flying the ship to make it sort of shed its skin along the way. Um, that's That might sound a little insane, but hey, why not? Now, there's another another article that launched this week about the Millennium Falcon, why it looks different. And this is an article that showed up on Entertainment Weekly. Um, John Kasdan, co-writer, son of Larry Kasdan. I I call him Larry, okay? But his name is Lawrence Kasdan. I call him Larry. Larry. But, uh, you know, John Kasdan, son of Lawrence Kasdan, legendary Star Wars writer, the guy who wrote Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and The Force Awakens, along with Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, massive pedigree. He brought his son on to help him write the solo film. And uh, his son John says to Entertainment Weekly, where Han gave it a certain shabby coolness and a dinged-up quality that reflected where he was at at that point in his life, this Falcon reflects the owner very clearly in its shape and aesthetic and its needs, even if those needs be a little more space to entertain. Yes. Mm. Let me entertain. Would you like a beverage? <laughs> but um, well, this so, is not unlike what we saw in the some of the Lego specials, where we see that the Millennium Falcon had at <laughs> one time been a... Uh, a party ride, the party bus. Absolutely, it's the party it bus. I think so it was in the Lego Movie at one. The, the cameo that Billy D had, dude. That is great that you brought up that awesome, awesome memory about uh, what Lando was using the Falcon for. Yeah, it wasn't just to smuggle goods. He was. It was the party ship. You know, let's go, let's party on the the. It was Lando's party Winnebago. And uh, actually, I got the clip right here. This is from the Lego movie uh, from uh, what, what two or two or three years ago. 
According to your precious instructions, this ship needs a hyperdrive. We don't have that part. Maybe we could find one. What do you think? A spaceship is just going to appear out of the blue. Are you kidding me? The same bin? Chewie! Mm. We're supposed to be halfway to Naboo for a sweet party right now. This hyperdrive keeps malfunctioning, taking us to loser systems like this. Captain Solo, we must go. You know how perturbed I get if we are not punctual. The droid's right. Let's roll. Now hold on, eh? This might be the right galaxy after all, because I see a heavenly body. Oh, whoa, I have a boyfriend. And it is super serious, right, babe? Of course it's serious. Yeah. Got room for just one dude? Whoa, babe. If he's a cool dude like you. You're trying to bail on us. I'm not trying to bail. You asked them if you could go with them on their party ship. That thing is filled with bon vivants. You speak French now? Babe, look, if this relationship is ever going to work between us, I need to feel free to party with a bunch of strangers whenever I feel like it. What? I will text you. Where'd you get that sweet space cape, brother? <laughs> There's that, and I and the other one is, uh, I believe it's in the Yoda Chronicles. Yeah, or, yeah, that's where, the one you're thinking of. That maybe where the one he I'm has of, yeah. he has the party Millennium Falcon, and that's when he says, "Can I offer you a beverage?" <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm actually looking for that audio yeah, right I, now, but. Um, so the Falcon has uh, many different uh, capabilities and um, and uh, functions, but I think the thing... Oh, crap. I just closed the Entertainment Weekly article. I was just going to open. Um, I got it up here. Isn't there something in there that says something along the lines of the Falcon that Lando is flying is the same hunk of junk that Han has is just all the paneling and stuff is just covering up, you know, the, uh, the history of the ship itself. Yeah. So John Kasdan seems to allude in this story that the millennium Falcon is, is much older than we ever realized. It's had several lives. He says, remember when the Falcon enters our movie, He's talking about the solo movie at this point. It's already had a long life, decades of existence, and it's been modified even from its original design. What we've tried to do with the whole movie was take things that we take for granted and love and turn them on their ear. So he says, you know, if you've ever owned a new car and you know the anxiety that precedes its first dent or scratch, after that, you can relax. So maybe the banged-up, dingy Falcon isn't just a sign of Han Solo's reckless flyboy style, but evidence of the battle scars that allowed him to be a little more fearless with his battered but beloved starship as he pilots it into harm's way. So a longer history than we originally thought. And the original Macquarie-inspired design, uh, one of them, uh, has those, as you call them, mandibles. I guess that's the, uh, is that the official term? Mandibles? I don't know where I, you know, I saw that somewhere uh, in the past that that's what those are referred to. The, yeah. the fork in front of the Millennium right. Falcon, as we know it from the original trilogy um, and the sequel trilogy, for that matter. The, the, the fork in the front are uh, some sort of freight lifting mandibles. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've read them. This, but I don't think that it serves that function in the solo film. I think... That um, and I think this may have been revealed uh, this week on Entertainment Weekly as well. That there is a separate ship 
that is docked into that opening. That, that is right. As a matter of fact, uh, it's in the description of this Kessel Run Millennium Falcon playset where it says that the um, that the mini ship. There's a mini ship uh, that is docked in the front, and that is uh, there. That is also Force Lake 2.0 enabled. So. There you go. So the, yeah, okay. So the mini ship, and I think we see that ship briefly in the trailer. I pointed oh, really? it out during our yeah. I pointed it out during our trailer review. I said that looks like a U-wing from Rogue One. So look through the trailer. It's about midway through, and you see it. I think Paul Bateman also spotted it and said, "You know what? That thing would fit very nicely into the front of the Falcon." You can't fool Paul Bateman, and uh, I see it too now. And uh, especially with this description of the Hasbro vehicle, then we know. So I think that the ship that we see, it has two wings on the side, and it kind of resembles the U-wing from Rogue One in its shape um, vaguely. And uh, so I think that may be actually something that fits into the front of the Falcon, and the reason we don't see it in... The original trilogy is because Han is going to trash it in Solo. I mean, he's just going to trash. He's going to trash a lot of things with the Falcon, obviously. I believe uh, some of the paneling we see on it will be uh, cut loose during the Kessel Run to help pick pick up speed. And I, I predict a montage sequence... As they prepare for this Kessel Run, <laughs> where they are actually stripping down the interior of the ship to remove all unnecessary components and items that may be within the ship to help it get to the speed where it can make the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. That is my solo prediction. Yeah. And... Uh John Kazan says that one of the things that he and uh, Larry, his uh, father, had talked about was that the Falcon should always reflect the personality of its captain. So when the film starts out, or when we first meet the Millennium Falcon, um, it's got that blue and white design and a very glossy interior, and that's how the ship Mm. existed when it was under the command of Lando Calrissian. And Han Solo takes it over, and it gets a little more... Rough around the edges. Yes. Now, back to the idea that you brought up, the concept that in the Lego Star Wars <laughs> land, I mean, we, we get a you know an early version of the Millennium Falcon uh, in Star Wars ca- canon that Lando owned it, it, it was a party vehicle, right? It was like his party bus. Yeah, and, it was supposed to be like his dad had it. You meet Lando's wow. dad. No, 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 because Lando's got a kid in the Lego, doesn't he? No, like Lando, little Lando is the kid. Lando oh, Lando's is the kid. So you, All right, well, we is, have to get to the bottom the of this. Chron- the Yoda Chronicles. So this is prequel right. era. Yes. And uh, I, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's Ak- isn't it Akbar is stranded? Um, or no, it's Mace Windu and Yoda are stranded on a planet and... Uh, they're happened upon by Lando's dad and young Lando, and they get offered a ride. And okay, well, I want to get to the... And it's the, it's the disco ride. 
I want to get to the bottom of this. And the only way we can do this is uh, on an audio podcast is with actual audio itself from the Lego. So I just sent you a couple of clips. Oh, we got you. uh, Yeah, if you check your uh, email, you'll see I sent you a couple of clips. And I want you to play these clips for our listening audience. This, of course, is this is uh, Billy D. Williams as young Lando in the Yoda Chronicles. This is a restricted planet. You have some nerve coming here. <laughs> Just kidding. I got your distress call. The name's Calrissian, Lindo Calrissian, and this is my son, Lando. How's it going, fellas? Welcome aboard the Millennium Falcon. The finest traveling nightclub in the galaxy. There it is. (laughs) Would you care for a refreshing beverage? Worst ways to travel. There are. All right, so there's there it is. They're meeting Mace Windu and Yoda. The refreshing beverage. I knew that was ringing a bell. But hey, good call. Swank, because you are pretty much saying that the Lego Yoda Chronicle series has predicted what we're going to see of the Millennium Falcon in Solo, a Star Wars story under the ownership of Lando Calrissian. Yeah, I think Lindo is going to give the ship (laughs) to his son Lando. Yes. Maybe not quite like that, but we're definitely going to see it take on that Lando persona. Very put together, very stylish, very sleek, uh, but perhaps uh, covering up a less than uh, perfect underbelly, we'll just say. And I think that's going to be something that we'll find, obviously, with Lando. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But also keep in mind that Luke Skywalker, the great Luke Skywalker, originally assumed the Millennium Falcon was a piece of junk. The 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 incredible Princess Leia called it a bucket of bolts. Right. So obviously you can't judge a book by the cover when it comes to the Millennium Falcon. And maybe Lando was trying to cover up something. And make the ship appear to be better than it actually was. But it was Han Solo who removed all of that facade and actually made the ship into the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. And uh, that'll be interesting to see in Solo. Again, my prediction is Han and Chewie strip the Falcon of all of its unnecessary parts to make it faster for the Kessel Run. All right. And just a couple other things that uh, were released. If you've been waiting for a single-carded Maz Kanata figure, you're in luck. That's going to be part of the uh, first assortment of figures. Makes you wonder if yep. we're going to see Maz Kanata in the solo film. I remember when, uh, you know, the uh, I think it was one of the last waves of The Last Jedi figures came out, and they gave us a Alec Guinness-style Obi-Wan and a Yoda, and it created all kinds of speculation and uh, thought that perhaps there would be a cameo from uh, those characters. Well, it turns out there was a cameo by Yoda. My thought is that up until uh, perhaps fairly close to when the film was released, there was thought that maybe there would be an Alec Guinness-style cameo, or maybe it would have been Ewan McGregor 
playing the older Obi-Wan Kenobi. Who knows? But I think that's why those action figures get slotted into these assortments. Um, and you know they have to create these assortments and work on the figures months and months and months and months and months in advance of mm-hmm. the film. So perhaps that was best laid plans. But I have a feeling about this Maz Kanata figure and that perhaps mm-hmm. we'll see the origin of that relationship. I think that's fair. I think that's fair speculation just by judging on what Hasbro is releasing in conjunction with the film being released. I think we can jump to some conclusions about the specific action figures they're releasing. There's also a K2SO action figure that's being released. Well, we see K2 in the Han Solo film. And also, of course, Jedi Exile, Luke Skywalker's there. And we know for a fact we're not going to see him in. Unless the whole thing's just a big flashback storytelling device where Luke is on Octu explaining to Rey how Han became Han. Wow. Crazy, crazy thing to think of. Uh, But I don't see it happening. No. no, Um, no. But I'm saying it's possible. It takes place in that cave when he says, where's Han? Where's Han? But um, something I do want to point out, though, before people think that us speculating on character appearances in an upcoming film based on what Hasbro is releasing is something that we shouldn't be doing. Let me just point out to you that with the initial release of action figures for The Force Awakens back in 2015, um, Hasbro released a Darth Vader action figure and a Luke Skywalker Bespin action figure. That's right, yes. We have come to find out that there was a sequence that was part of Rey's Force back that saw her looking at the duel between Darth and Luke in Cloud City from a different perspective. So she probably would have been seeing them from far away dueling on that platform when they were out in the open there in the middle of the Cloud City reactor shaft or whatever the hell you want to call it. So um, that's, that's how I always imagine that sequence going down. I don't think anything was actually shot as far as that goes, but it could have made it to merchandising, which we know for a fact that it takes over a year from concept to design to production before these action figures actually hit the pegs. So it's very possible that the decision to include a Bespin Luke Skywalker and a Darth Vader in the initial line of Force Awakens action figures was based on the fact that those two characters were actually going to be in the film. But they weren't when it, when push came to shove. So will we be seeing Maz? Will we be seeing K2? Will we be seeing Exile Luke in Solo? Um, I don't think the Luke, but I think Maz is a possibility, and I think K2 is a strong possibility. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. All right, I want to take a brief pause in the program to tell you about one of our good friends and our sponsor for this week, Utini. Utini subscriptions deliver new Star Wars books right to your doorstep every month. Just sign up and they'll charge you every month and send you a carefully selected bundle of Star Wars books and products each and every month. They'll never send you books that you already own as long as your collection is recorded in their unique and proprietary Utini bookshelf. I'm going to join now at utini.com slash RFR. Now, we don't have to tell you that Star Wars is 
huge. It's, 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 it's enormous. And ever since Disney purchased Lucasfilm back in 2012, the amount of Star Wars storytelling and content out there has just grown exponentially. It's completely overwhelming at times, especially for anyone who wants to keep up with it all. But life gets in the way, and that's exactly what happened with Corey Helton. He's a full-time medical student and the founder of Utini, this new Star Wars book subscription service. And Corey has read, oh, just about a few hundred Star Wars books. But when he started grad school full-time, he quickly realized how big of a pain it is to try to stay up to date with this rapidly growing and new expanded universe while trying to keep his head above water as a working adult. But uh, why hear us talk about Corey when you can hear from him yourself? Listen, I just want a new Star Wars book on my nightstand at any given moment. I don't even care which one it is. I'm going to read them all anyway. So why can't I just go somewhere and leave my credit card and have them all sent to me? So that's kind of where Utini began. I wanted a service that I could just sign up for and not have to think about it and get all the new books delivered right as they come out. What a dream come true. And I've talked to Corey a lot about this, and uh, I'm really on board with his entire service. And if you've ever talked to Corey, you'll quickly know right away that he's not one to just let a problem like not having the latest Star Wars book on his nightstand. He's not going to let that just slide by. He's going to work overtime to to figure it out. He's going to solve these problems. And it wasn't long before Corey made this wish come true. It's the wish of all Star Wars book readers to have the latest book just there for you. You don't even have to think about it. And so once he started looking into it, he quickly realized that it's going to be an uphill battle because the competition is really, really strong. And he's just a a, a guy uh, working his way through med school, and he has to deal with huge services like Amazon. No one can compete with Amazon. There's thousands of people selling stuff on there, and even Amazon themselves seems to sell the books directly, which of course wouldn't have selling fees built in and all that. But there are problems with Amazon that I knew it could capitalize on. These are the same problems that I've had myself. Book release dates are often inaccurate. If you pre-order, sometimes there's delays. You have to actually find out what books are coming out in the first place and then go out of your way to pre-order them. And then the pre-order price can fluctuate, and you sometimes don't even know what you're paying until you get the shipping notification. The point is, Amazon sometimes has its drawbacks. So, Corey, recognizing this, realized that he had to do something, and so he changed gears. He knew that if he was going to succeed and solve some major problems along the way, he was going to have to think outside the box and deliver something more than just convenience. So that got me thinking, what if I could send people more than just the books? What if we could deliver a Star Wars reading experience? Something that people could look forward to every single month and make them part of a community of a bunch of other people also reading the same books at the same time. So that's kind of what we've done. We've created this premium subscription service that delivers all the Star Wars books you want right to you every single month, plus a bunch of extras that make keeping up with the expanded universe as painless and as fun as possible. So Utini is an incredible service, and we can't wait to see where it goes and where uh, Corey takes it. Uh, They've got subscriptions for canon books, so everything since the Disney acquisition, plus the Legends books. That goes back to uh, the expanded universe of old and so much more. Their book tracker is truly one of a kind, and we can't tell you, can't wait to tell you more over the coming episodes, so be sure to stay tuned. We're very proud to announce that a new official Utini subscription 
has been created by us, and we're calling it a new Darth every month. It's the Darth <laughs> of the month. A monthly dose of some of our absolute favorite dark side themed books and graphic novels, including great titles like Darth Plagueis, the Darth Vader graphic novel, the Darth Bane series, and more. So if you've never read any of the bad guy themed books, now is your perfect chance. So head over to utini.com slash RFR to check out the Rebel Force Radio bag ASAP. And if you want to learn more about how Corey has made getting Star Wars books every month a reality, go to utini.com slash RFR. That's Y-O-U-T-I-N-I dot com slash RFR. Rebel Force Radio. All right. Well, while we're talking about the future of Star Wars, we do want to remind you that uh, this Monday is the return of Star Wars Rebels. Monday, February 19th, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Disney XD. We've got a one-hour block of back-to-back episodes of Star Wars Rebels as the series draws to its epic finale. The two new episodes, Jedi Knight and Doom, that's Doom. D-U-M-E, will also be available on the DisneyNow.com uh, at 10 p.m. after they air on Disney XD. I remember when uh, at one point Rebels, they used to release them onto the app sooner uh, than uh, they were broadcast on uh, Oh yeah. On they would do it a, a week before. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And that was in previous uh, seasons of Rebels. This is the first time I ever actually can recall uh, Lucasfilm making it known when the streaming version will be available in one of their press releases. I, they've never gone that far by saying, well, it's going to be on TV at this time, then it's going to be available on the app at this time. You know, I, I think that makes things a little bit easier. I, I think, you know, they, they obviously haven't done that uh, previously because uh, the the two branches weren't communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now it's becoming clear that streaming is becoming a priority for those who watch Star Wars Rebels, among other you know, broadcast entertainment. But I, I think streaming is, is starting to become something that studios are taking much more seriously. And thus their marketing departments are starting to take it more seriously as well. So it's handy to know uh, for those of you who uh, prefer to stream episodes of Star Wars Rebels, like I know Jason does. I mean, mm-hmm. Jason, obviously, you wait typically for the iTunes release, don't you? Which probably happens around the same time it'll drop on the app. I think that'll all happen at the it, same it, time. It usually does. Actually, iTunes is a little bit um, is a little bit earlier. Generally, if it's a let's say it airs on you know Monday night at nine o'clock Eastern. By about 3 a.m. on Tuesday morning, it will have dropped. Yeah. I only know that because every once in a while I'll have a sleepless night and I'll get a little alert on my phone. It'll be like, hey, your re- most recent episode of Star Wars Rebels is available. I like iTunes because I, the, the quality is fantastic. There are no commercial breaks. If you watch it on the app or you watch it on uh, you know Disney now on the website, you're still going to get some commercial breaks in there. And, and I love the, uh, the iTunes completely commercial free and... Uh, yeah, you, I, you know, you put your money where your mouth is, and so it's basically like buying it on, say, DVD or Blu-ray, but you get it week after week after week. So I've yeah, so, I've been doing that since uh, Clone Wars, as a matter of fact. 
So uh, every Star Wars fan will have his micro-binocular focused on Monday, February 19th, this Monday, as Star Wars Rebels returns. We're getting a, I love the back-to-back. And um, it's interesting to note that this is probably the last time we're really going to be celebrating the cable broadcast debut of any new Star Wars. That's a great after point. The, yeah, after these yeah. next few weeks, it's going to be uh, some downtime for a little while. And then Star Wars will return in animated form via the Disney streaming app. And that's probably the reason why Rebels is being stopped at season four more than anything else is the fact that Disney is now regrouping and creating their own streaming platform. Thus, they want to create fresh, new, original content based on their properties that they can launch the app with. And Star Wars, obviously a priority. Yeah. As they said, as Apple said, the future of TV is apps. And that's what we're going to see with Disney. Now, it's very likely, based on some speculation, that Hulu will actually provide the the infrastructure for that app. And that was uh, at the heart of the acquisition of 20th Century Fox because of the controlling shares it had and the ownership that it has over the, uh, the, the Hulu platform. So why recreate the wheel? Just buy the wheel you need. And uh, mm. so... We'll see. So Hulu might get a, a you know a, a rebrand, or there will be some sort of a, a branch off of the of the Disney product. But yeah, it's the, it's a really good point. Last you know traditional broadcast debut of yeah. a Star Wars animated uh, animated season. So and from this point forward, we're only two weeks away until the season finale. Yeah. Of Star Wars Rebels the series and finale, the, the, the yes, the series finale, the 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 big conclusion. And uh, Dave Filoni talked to our friend at ABC News, Clayton Sandel, and uh, had this to say about the uh, final episode. Dave said, "There's only a small group of people that actually know the entire ending of the series. I have all their names written down in my office, and I know exactly who knows what. It's my best attempt to keep all of this from getting out." So, Dave Filoni uh keeping a uh, a tight leash on things. Uh he continued to talk to Clayton about uh other Star Wars animated series that are now in development, according to Bob Iger. We heard uh, last week Bob Iger said that there are several Star Wars series in development for the small screen. Filoni uh, did his best to deflect any of Clayton's questions. He says, everything needs its time and place to come to life and exist. I'm very busy on things right now and excited about what we're working on. There won't be a lack of Star Wars in the future that's for sure. So Dave Filoni, the expert tap dancer that he is, did not answer the question at all. Uh, just saying that there will be a lack of Star Wars in the future. We already knew that. So uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure, no question. <laughs> but I, I, I think Dave is working on what is the next animated series for Star Wars. And uh, we are uh, led to believe that uh, it, perhaps it could uh, be something that sets up the sequel trilogy. So uh, much like how Rebels, as an animated series, sets up the original trilogy, the next series coming from Lucasfilm most likely will be something that sets up 
the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Speculation here. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, if that is indeed the case. But I think that is a logical thing to assume because of the equity that we have in these the, these characters. And it also gives us the ability to sort of, you know, deal with legacy characters as well as maybe some of the, the newer characters from the sequel trilogy. So, um, good guess there. Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. You know it, you love it. From Tops comes the digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. Yes, collect and trade officially licensed Star Wars digital cards. All of your favorite characters, vehicles, and locations from the Star Wars universe are here, including replicas of those amazing and iconic original 1977 top Star Wars trading cards to futuristic all-new cards with exciting digital twists. Download it today in the App Store or in Google Play. And of course, we're using the Star Wars card trader app here at rebel force radio you can always trade with us here 24 7 365 days a year just search username rebel force radio and do it all from the comfort of your mobile device it's the tops star wars card trader app these are the cards you're looking for all right we actually have a clip from the premiere of star wars rebels as it enters its final last few episodes this is coming up on monday night i need you to do something for me Anything. Take the lead on getting Hera back. Shouldn't you be the one to do that? I would, but I can't think clearly because of the way I feel about her. I might make a mistake. One that could cost us. We can do this together. No. I'll be with you, but this has to be your plan. You lead. If that's what you want. It's what we need if we're going to save Hera. And everyone else. A little ominous there. A little bit. And I, I think that, you know, that is Kanan passing the torch to Ezra. Yep. And we're getting it in that exposition. And because Ezra is going to be left without a mentor, I think Kanan is... Uh, <laughs> I, I think a lot of people online are starting to feel the same way I am, yeah. that Kanan's days are definitely numbered. And we are going to have to deal with... An, a rudderless Ezra, yeah. at least for a brief period of time. But my uh, long-standing speculation is that uh, Kanan will die, and Ezra will find himself cut off from the Force by the time the series wraps mm. up. Do you have any predictions or speculation? I, you know, I haven't thought so much about Ezra, but I have thought about Kanan, and I think you're right. These two episodes, the first is called Jedi Knight, and that's not with a K. That's Jedi Knight, as in Nightfall, as in uh, Good Night. And the Game following over. episode, yeah, and the following episode is Doom, which we know is uh, Kanan's real last name, his birth name, uh, according to the, the comic book, Caleb Doom is the name, D-U-M-E. So, and it's uh, all spelled out in capital letters. And, you know, giving him that name, uh, I think there's a little bit of um, perhaps double meaning there. So I right. think by the end of Doom, Kanan will have found his. We'll put it that yeah. way. The, the the Force Wolves called him out by name. Uh, you know, Caleb Doom, not only in the comic books, but in John Jackson Miller's book, uh, New Dawn, uh, definitely uh, identifies him as Caleb Doom as well. That's something that's been sort of downplayed in the animated series, the fact that 
Kanan Jarris is not his legitimate name that he goes by Caleb Doom. I, I don't think that's ever really been fully addressed in the animated series, has it? I don't believe so. No, I mean, this, we were all kind of shocked when the wolf said Doom. Uh, I was just shocked when the wolf spoke. Well, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> Talking animals in Star Wars. Well, that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thank you so much for being here. It's always fun to get together and hang out and talk Star Wars. We hope you had a good time. Don't forget about Rebel Force Radio All Access, available on Patreon. You're never going to miss an episode of our bonus content, like RFR Rush Hour, RFR Rewind, RFR Q&A, plus giveaways and all kinds of different incentives as well. Just go to patreon.com slash Rebel Force Radio, and we appreciate the support. We also appreciate you sending us emails and voicemails. Those are great. Show at rebelforceradio.com. That's the email address, the voicemail line. If you wish to leave us same is 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. You can also reach out on Twitter. We're at Rebel Force Radio. Jimmy's at Jimmy Mac Radio. I'm at Jason Swank. And Facebook is another place to uh, find us. We've got breaking news, links to stories, and just great conversation available at facebook.com slash rebelforceradio. And there also is the unofficial Rebel Force Radio group page. Uh, Jimmy and I hang out there from time to time and uh, post and talk yes. to various uh, listeners. And it's a really great community of folks. But you've got to apply. you got to ask to become a member and I think there's just a three, four, five page test to take. And then another great community, if I can, another great community yeah. for uh, Rebel Force Radio listeners to get involved with is the Utini community that's building up around Utini.com. And uh, they're a, a great Rebel Force Radio sponsor. So be sure to go to Utini.com slash RFR and. Uh, also, check out Utini on Facebook and tell them Rebel Force Radio sent you there. I think you guys are really going to be into the awesome Star Wars book service they have to offer. And uh, you heard Corey Houghton on the show with us last week. He's a, a great guy, a hardworking medical student who's uh, trying to get himself through med school. And uh, we want to do anything we can do to help him out. And, uh, and also provide this great service and let everyone know about this great service that utini.com slash rfr is offering the official website as always rebelforceradio.com you got the complete archives of all our rebel force radio episodes and all the shows including if you want to go back down memory lane all the rebels declassified episodes they're there as well also we've got uh, merchandise like rfr t-shirts and so much more that's all at rebelforceradio.com uh, iTunes, if you're looking for the really the best place to subscribe to Rebel Force Radio so you never miss an episode, I think the answer is iTunes. You can subscribe and you can leave us a review. We love those reviews. Just one rule, please. Make them good. And you can find Rebel Force Radio streaming online at WGNplus.com, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and just about anywhere else you can find podcasts, even Alexa. You can call up Alexa. 
Play Rebel Force Radio via Stitcher. See what I just did there? You can also find us weekly on JediNews.co.uk, Yodasnews.com, Fanthatracks.com, and the official Star Wars website, StarWars.com. So until next week, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. <laughs>